0: So praise God, but the Lord is still the Lord. Amen. And, um, you know, uh, we know that, that uh, when this life ends, we get to go in the realm of the spirit and get to be up uh, with the Lord. And, and I don't I don't know any details about your cousin. You know, Jimmy was a Christian, you know, and, and um, uh, so low, you know, Christians. So it's tragic, but, you know, they're in heaven with the Lord and they're in glory. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll have the sorrow of the separation and the sorrow of the things that, uh, that we'll miss out on seeing them, but we'll have the joy of knowing that, uh, you know, there's no suffering now at all for either of them, and um, they're they're just fine, and and um, we'll get to beat beat with them again at some point in time, and so, you know, if we can get get our hearts settled in that, you know, we still will grieve for a season and for a time, and and um, um, and we'll miss the presence of those people in our lives and talking to them, and I know he, even my, my brother passed a couple years ago. You know, every now and then, I'll, you know, I'll be thinking, it's like, you know, I haven't heard from my brother Billy in a while, and of course, he's been gone now, but he'd call up just at random times, and tell me about what new lawnmower he bought, or, you know, what what uh, new gas can he bought, or weed eater he bought, you know, he always liked to fill me on all the things he bought, you know, just recently, and which new yard he's mowing, and, and um, then he'd talk about baseball, and you get talking about baseball, he'd tell you about the entire history of baseball, you know, um, and, um, and you still kind of expect those things, but um no, that's okay, though. That's you know part of having relations and families. And, and um, unfortunate right now, you know, death is an enemy to mankind, and will be an enemy. God calls him an enemy. God never uses death to uh, to uh, allow His will to occur. Um, it's an enemy, amen. He didn't create it. It came along with sin, and and uh, death was never part of the design of creation. And and, um, uh, and it's really. Uh, physical death, you know, in a sense of of, uh, ceasing the function of our bodies. But, you know, we never cease to exist, right? Uh, You know, in the world, they think of death as the end of existence. And uh, in the Christian uh, reality, death is not the end of existence. It's just a transfer uh, of address. And while we're here on this earth until uh, to a new address in heaven, hopefully it's our to a new address in heaven. But it's from the uh, natural realm into the spirit realm and hopefully we get our eternal destiny established before the end of our natural, day, natural days on this earth, uh, because uh, the spirit of man will never die, uh, and he can't die because he's made from the same stu- substance that God is made from, so he can't cease to exist because God created our spirits, and so uh, so for all eternity, you know, Jimmy uh, and Lowell will be with uh, the Lord, and we'll get to be with them both, and I never met your cousin but you know i'll get to meet him someday and you'll introduce me and hey this is my cousin you know and uh, okay yeah well yeah yeah so um but uh praise god so be praying for for johnny and the family and and um um there's a lot of things that uh that uh, uh especially people that don't know as much about the lord as we know they'll be suffering you know and grieving and and wondering why and asking a lot of questions and um uh we know that there's an enemy of mankind and his job is to steal to kill and to destroy and and um, uh, we hate that we hate that uh, that those things have to happen right now um, but uh, it's part of the reality we live in, but the Lord says that we can have hope amen and uh, hope is is uh, fueled from the from the knowledge that the Lord is is true and accurate in his word that we'll get to see all of our loved ones again someday amen uh, and so uh the Bible never says it's wrong to grieve, you know. Uh, it says you can grieve but still have hope. Uh, and so uh, so we'll grieve with the family and grieve with the the, uh, um, the loved ones that uh, that are left here on the earth. And um, we'll have joy for the, for the ones that have gone ahead of us to heaven. We're not interested in going there anytime soon, getting caught up with them. Uh, we'll catch up with them when we get there. Amen. Uh, and so... So why don't we pray, and we'll get into the word tonight. So Father, we thank you for the word of God, and Father, we thank you that there is comfort and joy in your word, and Father, there's comfort and joy in your spirit. You reside in us, Father. You speak to us. You remind us of good things that you desire for us, and Father, you're not the enemy of mankind. You don't take people from this earth into heaven. Father, the enemy of mankind, death, is the one that does that. You never designed... For men to leave this earth, Father, to be separated from us. You always designed us to live forever together as a family. And so, Father, even though in this short period of time uh, there, there can be and will be separation, Father, but someday we'll all be together with you in, in the heavens. And you'll bring the heavens down to the earth. And we, spend all, we will spend all eternity with you in fellowship and joy and being with loved ones, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God that gives us comfort and wisdom, Father, and protection. We thank you that he'll do his job. We, we, re- we rely upon him and thank you, Father, that he's good to us. And so, Father, we pray for Johnny's family and all, all that are concerned uh, in that area, Father, to speak to them, to remind them that uh, you're still the God of heaven and that uh, you're the God of all believers. Uh, and that when they leave this earth, they are with you in joy and comfort and peace and happiness, Father. And so, Lord, we can take comfort in that, knowing that you're here with us. And so, Father, we thank you for comfort upon Johnny's family and upon Johnny and Nancy um, and all the ones that uh, will be grieving for the loss of these family members. We thank you, Father, for the great ministry of the Spirit of God. And, Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory and comfort for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. You know, the Lord is good. Amen. He's still good. Uh, he's never stopped being good. And, um, you know, we uh, um, uh, we hate the work of the enemy. Amen. Uh, he's uh, uh, he's just there to, to mess up everything. And, and he does a pretty good job of messing up things uh, anytime he can. Amen. And so uh, we've been teaching on prayer. And uh, uh, we finished up talking about 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, and... Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 uh, is a good chapter, a good summary on the prayer of speaking in tongues. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, if the Lord chose to and by design spent an entire chapter and talk talking about really one subject. You know, you think that would be an important subject for the church to know. And yet how many people in the church don't believe in speaking in other, in other tongues? You know, they say that doesn't that stopped in the last apostle or that's of the devil some people get really irate about it, and yet an entire chapter out of the Bible was spent on the subject of speaking with other tongues. And so it must be an important subject uh, for the Lord to choose as the head of the church to speak this much about uh, this this topic for us. Uh, And so I'd encourage you, you know, uh, if you don't uh, speak with other tongues, you know, uh, of course, we can always pray for you. But if you do speak with other tongues, remember what Paul said, that, that I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Verse 18 of chapter 14, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. And one of the values of speaking in other tongues, uh, I think it's one of the greatest values, is because it's a supernatural experience, it's not something that you, that you learn to do, it's not, a, it's not a learned trait. You know, like speaking in, in another language like French or, or, or uh, Spanish or... Some other language, that's a learned skill, amen? You don't don't, uh, just uh, do it supernaturally, although I guess it's possible that you could, but uh, for the most part, it's a a learned skill. You go to school for it or you take classes for it, you learn it online, you go to the country and you get embedded in in the country and you learn that language. That's not supernatural, uh, but speaking in other tongues is supernatural. And one of the greatest values of it is that it connects us and helps us stay connected to the realm of the supernatural. And we as a church need to stay connected to the realm of the supernatural because where does God reside? He resides in the realm of the supernatural, really the realm of the spirit, right? Uh, And so by speaking with other tongues, you stay connected to the realm of the spirit. Uh, And you'll always be the most successful in your life uh, based upon the amount of time you stay connected to the realm of the spirit. Because didn't Paul tell, tell the Galatians that uh, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh? So if you, if you actually walk in the Spirit or stay connected to the realm of the Spirit, then you'll never fail all the days of your life. Uh, and that's a pretty good deal, right? You'll never sin. You'll never backslide. You'll never uh, be in unforgiveness. You'll never hold grudges. You'll never um, uh, commit any kind of sinful act, you know, whether it's seen or unseen. You know, there are sinful acts that are unseen, right? Nobody knows but you and the Lord but He still knows them. Amen? Uh, you'll not do any of those things if you stay connected to the realm of the Spirit. And, and I believe one of the best ways that you do that is spending a, a lot of time in praying in other tongues. And, and um, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, I spend a time, set aside time to pray, but also just as a, as a routine part of my day, I, I spend time praying in tongues. And if I'm between here and there or doing anything, I spend time praying in other tongues because I want to stay connected to the realm of the Spirit. Because in the realm of the Spirit, there's fullness of joy. And in the realm of the Spirit, there is great victory. In the realm of the Spirit, there is information that we don't know. Uh, amen. You uh, Remember the beginning of chapter 14, uh, we had read there uh, in verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For it no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So as you're praying in the Spirit then you're speaking out mysteries well are there any mysteries to god there are no mysteries to god he knows everything amen there are plenty of mysteries for us we don't know everything and so one of the ways to get information about things that we don't know is to pray in other tongues and so if if there are things you're dealing with in your life about the will of god lord what's your plan for my life then one of the greatest ways to find that out is to pray in other tongues until the answer becomes alive in you. And then you know, you see, you hear, uh, you're filled with the knowledge of God's will by praying with other tongues. And now it's no longer a mystery to you. Amen. And I can can guarantee you there will be things in your life that you will never find out any other way other than spending time and praying in other tongues. Uh, And so if you think about that, which, I mean, he told us to do it, right? So if he told us that howbeit in the spirit we speak mysteries, then... uh, the Lord is is generally inclined to only follow his word that he's generally inclined uh, he can if he if he and he can't do anything that violates his word but he can do some things in a sovereign way where you know he may say well I want you to have faith like faith for healing but on occasion has the Lord ever sovereignly healed anybody sure he has right he just did it without any faith on their part we saw that in the gospels many times uh, but uh, for the most part he, he desires and intends for his church to follow his word. And so if he told us here that one way to, to, to move mysteries from being an unknown part of our life to being a known part of our life is to pray in other tongues, then there will be things that we will not find out in our lives any other way other than praying in other tongues. And so then if you look at the entire church, then, you know, I don't know what percent of the church are Pentecostals, but it's probably, you know, no more than 10%, I imagine. So if that means 90% of the church is not Pentecostal in the sense of praying with other tongues, that means 90% of the church has things in their life that they will never know. Uh, they will go through their entire life always wondering, why? You know, why don't I know this? You know, why did this happen? What am I supposed to do? Uh, and they will never find that out unless they pray in other tongues. Uh, and, and some people will balk at that. Oh, that's not so. Well, I didn't write the Word of God. You know, he wrote, the, he said that if we want the mysteries to be revealed, then we need pray with other tongues. Uh, And so if the Lord said to do it that way, just like we read other times in in the book of Ephesians, how he said that he gives uh, his apostles and prophets revelation. Well, then uh, there are things that apostles and prophets will know that no regular church member will ever know unless that apostle and prophet speaks that to the church. Uh, And there are people who think that, you know, that well, because they're God's child, which they are, that they have right and access to all the information that God has. Uh, and that's not, way that the, that's not the way that the word is written. The way the word is written is God has a structure and he intends for his church to follow that structure. Uh, just like he told the, he told the, the book of Ephesians in, in chapter 4 about the purpose of the 5 ministry gift. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, he said the very first thing is for the perfecting of the saints. But there are people in the church who don't believe in the structured church, right? They believe, well, all of us can be, we're all the church, which we are. Uh, And we can all get what we need just by fellowshipping and just having home groups and things. And we don't need a structured church. We don't need a pastor. We don't need a pulpit. We don't need, you know, this, all this stuff here. You know, this is all a waste of money and time. And yet, if the Lord placed the pastor in the church, then uh, for the express purpose of perfecting the saints, and you don't believe in that, you don't believe in pastors, you don't believe in apostles or prophets and the role they have in the church, then, then Technically, you can never be perfected. You can never be fully mature outside the way the Lord has instructed things to be done. Amen? If the Lord has instructed things to be done a certain way, and we don't want to follow that way because we have our own ideas, our own philosophies of things, then we will always be limited. And that's really an issue in the church is if you think about, you know, there are people who don't believe in tongues, okay? There are people who don't believe in a structured church. There are people who don't believe in healing. There are people who don't believe in the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you look at, you know, all of those things were given to us as the church to benefit us. And if we choose not to yield to those things for whatever reasons, because mama doesn't believe it or our doctrine or, a, you know, particular church doesn't believe it, whatever the root cause of that is, all of those areas are going to be a limiting factor for Christians. They will never go beyond that area in their life. Uh, and if they choose to not believe the word of God, that's why as as humble servants of the Lord, and I say that that way a lot because um, as humble servants of the Lord, we should read the word of God with an open heart. And if the word of God spends an entire chapter talking about speaking in tongues and then filter it all the way through the book of Acts in uh, so many different examples in the book of Acts uh, about that particular doctrine. uh, And yet we still choose to not believe that. Then what we're saying to the Lord is this big thing that you put in the church, we choose not to take part of that thing and that thing's going to be set aside in our life, and there's just going to be a void there. The Lord's not going to come back and say, okay, well, you don't believe in speaking with the tongue, so let me give you revelation in a different way. You know, He's not inclined to do that. He's inclined for us to to be servants of His and to do as we are instructed in the Word of God. Uh, And it doesn't matter what our personal beliefs are. If the Word of God is in conflict with what we believe, then we should change what we believe. And yet many people they'll hold up to the bitter end, right? You know, I, don't, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe in that stuff, you know. Uh, I, I had a fellow come by one time, he was a, he was, had been a pastor uh, in a denominational church, and he said that he had to retire because he was not physically well, he was sickly, and not physically well enough to pastor a church. So he had to stop doing what he was called to do, not because he wanted to, or it was time to stop, or he was forced to stop because of, his physical sickness. Uh, and, you know, I don't usually, you know, I, when somebody I know doesn't believe in healing, I don't usually press the issue because no need in, in, uh, in having an argument. But, I, but you know, I just felt impressed to, to let him know, hey, well, we have a healing school every Sunday, three o'clock, you know. Well, we don't believe in healing. Well, I already knew that you didn't believe in healing, but, you know, I'm just giving you a shot right here. Because now you're, you're no longer able to complete God's call upon your life because of what you believe. Not because God... Ch- change something or God gave you a different direction to go in or God said his times and seasons time for you to make a change Uh, the Lord never changed his plan for that that minister he had to change the plans of God based upon his own belief his limitation of his own belief so you know it's a shame that I I see so many Christians who will pick and choose what they believe and don't believe in the word of God and in tongues is a big thing right tongues is tongues is a you know i mean if if uh, you want to stir up controversy you know i mean some people believe in healing you know uh, even outside the pentecostal church but if you're not part of pentecostal church you know it's pretty rare that you believe in in speaking other tongues i know a few spies around you know miss sue she's one of our spies you know speaks she speaks in other tongues you know and, and i think in every denomination there are spies in every denomination you know some of them too afraid to say they speak in other tongues i'm not sure sue's afraid of anything there so uh, so she's fine, but uh, no. but a lot of them are secret tongue talkers, right? And they'll they'll be tongue talkers, you know, in private. Uh, and, and you know, and, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, well, they should leave that church. You know, sometimes they're there to try to move the church along and help them. Amen. Uh, and so I'm not anybody's judge. I don't know what the plan of God is for their life. Uh, and so um, so that that part's good that they believe that. But um, um, you know, I just. I would always encourage, you and know, I think around here, you know, we do, we do a good job because, um, you know, we, uh, of course, our church is called a Pentecostal church or charismatic, you know, sometimes they're called full gospel churches, uh, which uh, I was explaining to somebody uh, not long ago, and they said, well, that sounds like a slam against every other church, right? Because <laughs> we're full gospel, so that church over there is partial gospel, you know? Well, you're never going to advertise such and such church, partial gospel church, right? Nobody's going to say that, but they really are partial gospel because if they don't believe in speaking in tongues or healing or the Holy Ghost or miracles, you know, or special faith or, you know, any of those things, right? Then then it's um, kind of partial gospel, right? And we're not mad at anybody. We're not trying to poke, you know, not trying to judge anybody. But if you tell me I don't believe in that, well, okay, then you're partial gospel, right? Then I mean, our, our desire is to believe the whole gospel, right? If the Lord says it, then... You know, and that's really kind of how tongues got, got uh, brought back into into our, uh, the church as a whole was there in Wichita, Kansas. There was a fellow by the name of Charles Parman. He had, a, he had a, uh, like a Bible school, but it wasn't a Pentecostal Bible school. It was just a Bible school. And, and they were reading the book of Acts. And, you know, it keeps talking about speaking in tongues. And, and, and they started doing research. You know, we can't find any reason why we shouldn't be speaking in other tongues. You know, just reading the word of God, they couldn't find any re- well, you know where it says, uh, well, that that left with the last apostle, right? So, since they couldn't find anything, then they then they made the assumption: with well, this must still be for us today. And so they set up a basically a twenty four hour prayer vigil. So you go up in that room, uh, and you, you we're going to pray every hour. Somebody's going to pray in that room over there until we get an answer. You know, Lord, we think this is for us today, but nobody's doing it. We want it, you know. Uh, and finally, one of the one of the uh, college girls got it first, you know. Uh, and, and um, you know I, I don't know but it's been my observation that many times women are just they, they seem to be easier to submit to the will of God than sometimes us stubborn men are you know and, uh, and so she got it she got it first and then, then it sparked something in the, in the rest of the school and and then um, and of course Charles Parham started taking it out and the, you know in that time frame the Lord it started exploding around the world uh, and of course now, now it's like a genie in the bottle you can't get it back you know people you know, we don't believe in that speaking in other tongues, you know. And I remember hearing uh, there was a famous minister uh, many years ago. I was listening to him. He said, I would never let somebody speak in tongues in my church. And I nearly cut him off. You know, I thought, well, that, you know, this guy has got nothing to add to my life, you know. And yet, but I enjoyed his ministry. Other than that, you know, I listened to him on the radio and stuff. And uh, and I remember Brother Hagen saying uh, one time, said, I never cut anybody off because, uh, in fact, uh, one of the times... Um, uh, he said he, he had somebody preaching for him. And they spent the whole time talking about how that faith movement is so wrong. Well, they're preaching for Brother Hagan, who, you know, was really the, uh, a big cornerstone of the faith movement, right? Uh, and, the, and he's in Brother Hagin's pulpit saying how that faith movement is so wrong. Uh, and and um, he said, but by the time he got done, he answered a question for me that i never, uh, I've been trying to find the answer to for a long time. And so, you know, I, I don't cut people off anymore because of one mistake in their, in their doctrine, uh, because you eat the hay and you leave the sticks, right? So that was a big stick, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you don't see that big stick on your plate right there? I mean, how you, how you, you know, not see that big stick there? Uh, but, uh, so, you know, I'd encourage you, don't, don't ever allow any kind of, of, uh, of hindrance from the Word of God. If you read it in the Word of God, then believe that's for you. Amen. For all the promises of God are in Him. Yes, in Him. Amen to the glory of God by us. Uh, and um, and we know, I think we read way early on that you know, over there in a- Acts 2.39 it says, this promises unto you and to your children and all those that are far off. So, speaking in tongues is for who? For everyone, right? So, uh, in a, uh, and I know we've said it before, but uh, there's really no such thing from the Lord's perspective as a Pentecostal church. Because the whole church is supposed to be Pentecostal, right? Every Baptist, every Methodist, every Roman Catholic, um, every Seventh-day Adventist, every, every uh, Church of Christ, every every single person that that claims the Lord Jesus as their Savior should be speaking with other tongues. Amen. Uh, there, it's not just for the crazy folk. Amen. Uh, and so, not that we're crazy, but just they think we're crazy sometimes, right? And, and if they think they're crazy, just let them think it, right? It's it's uh, because. Uh, uh, they can think you're crazy as you get mysteries solved in your life every day amen so if they want to think i'm crazy then um uh, then i'm going to just speak in tongues more right uh and so uh so there's just a couple of other things i wanted to mention about praying in to the tongues that, that's going to be to our advantage uh and so let's let's turn over to um um to jude the book of jude there So you got Jude in the book of Revelation, right? So you're really at the end of the, end of the, the road there. Um, and so here in Jude it says, But beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So um, we know that uh, praying in the Holy Ghost is another phrase for speaking with other tongues. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times people will try to do away with the supernatural because they say that uh, when tongues were given to the church, that's the ability to to speak in other languages like French or English or, or, you know, English is sometimes a second language for us, right? Uh, But uh, it's the intellectual ability to speak with other languages. That's not supernatural. That's just, that's natural, right? No, praying in other tongues is praying in a language unknown to you. Uh, And it could be known to somebody else, amen? You could speak in a language that somebody on the earth could understand. It could be a a language from heaven. It's really up to the Lord because the Bible says that it's he, the Spirit of God, that that gives us the utterance. Uh, And so whatever he chooses, whatever language he chooses to give to us, then that's fine. Uh, But it says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So... You know, if you ever feel weak spiritually, you feel like, I just, Lord, I just can't overcome. I just can't have a consistent prayer life. I can't have a consistent Christian walk with you. It seems like I'm up today and down tomorrow and up today and, you know, down the next day. Uh, then, then you need to build yourself up. Amen. Edify yourself. Uh, we read in 1 Corinthians, remember, early on, that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Right? Builds himself up. And some people imply, well, that's selfish. You know, you shouldn't pray for yourself. Well, why would he tell us to do this if you didn't intend for us to do this, right? I mean, it's not selfish to speak for your, to speak uh, to edify yourself. Kind of like when the, you know you ever been on an airplane, they say, well, you know, in case the the cabin depressurizes, you, the the little things come down from the from the ceiling there, and they said always put yours on first and then help the you know if you're seated next to a child or seated next to someone who acts like a child, they said do yours first and then help them with theirs right because it's not going to do you any good to try to help them and you pass out while you're trying to help them right so you, you need to take care of yourself to some extent so that you're prepared and able to help those around you amen uh, and, and you know i have i have noticed that you ever notice that people that don't have the ability to say no and they're always helping everybody else but they never help themselves and they never help you know, sometimes it won't help their spouse because they're too busy helping everybody else. Sometimes it won't help their own kids because they're too busy helping everybody else. Uh, and they're they're missing a point there. That you know, it's okay sometimes to say no. You know, as a human being, you are limited as far as what you can do. You you literally cannot do everything. And people will use you to the point that you know uh, that that you won't even know who you're who you are. Uh, but it's the same thing in the realm of the spirit. You need to build yourself up so that you have the capacity, the strength to help those around you. And one of the ways of doing that is praying in the Holy Ghost, edify yourself, build yourself up so that you are, you are able to help others around you. And that's really uh, one of the greatest benefits. It's not the only benefit, but it's one of the greatest benefits that the Lord has given to us uh, in praying in other tongues. Um, and so when he says praying in the Holy Ghost, he calls it your most holy faith. Uh, it takes faith to pray in other tongues, doesn't it? Amen. It doesn't take faith to learn Spanish or, or um or, or um, French or anything, any other language. There's no faith involved in that, just intellect. Uh, but it does take faith to pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, you know, once you get used to it and you get you get uh, comfort, comfortable with it, you know, you still can apply faith because uh, when you're praying with other tongues, you know, my faith is, as I, get, as I get ready to pray in other tongues, Lord, this time that I spend in, in praying in other tongues is going to be to my benefit. It's going to help me... Fulfill to reveal mysteries. It's going to help me to strengthen my my inner man, my spirit man, so that I'm able to withstand uh, in uh, against everything that the enemy brings my way, uh, and I'm able to withstand temptations. I'm able to overcome in every situation. So it's not just check mark. You know, well, I prayed in tongues for five minutes. No, we need to apply faith as we do that. Amen. Uh, and so let's turn back to the Old Testament. Uh, you know, the, the Bible prophesied about speaking with our tongues in the Old Testament. And of course, we didn't know that it was talking about that until until it happened, right? But back in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28. Get over there in just a second. We'll get there eventually, right? Chapter 28. He said in... Um, for with stammering, and this is verse 11, Isaiah twenty-eight eleven. For with stammering lips, or strange lips, and another tongue will he speak to this people. So he's prophesying about us speaking with other tongues, right? Uh, strange tongues. Um, and so uh, that's the prophecy of the, the uh, praying with other tongues that we do today. He says to whom he said, this is the rest where, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is a refreshing, yet they would not hear. So one of the values of praying with other tongues is it brings rest and peace to your heart and to your life. Amen. Uh, and I can I can testify many times, you know, things are going on and there's crazy events going on or whatever. There's a lot of pressure in your life and uh, you spend time praying with other tongues and there's a rest that comes upon you and you don't understand it. You know, you don't have to comprehend it, uh, but but uh, you have the advantage of that, amen. You get to take advantage of that rest. And so he said, to whom he said, this is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Uh, and this is the refreshing. So he's talking about speaking in the tongues, he's talking about having a rest, and talk, talking about having a refreshing, amen. Uh, and that's that's the value, one of the values of praying with other tongues is that you get to edify yourself, uh, you get to have rest, and you, and you get to... Um, have a refreshing in your life amen Uh, and who wouldn't need that right who doesn't need that everybody needs that right Uh, and uh, and yet the entire church that is not praying with the tongues oftentimes will not find any rest or any refreshing unless they do that amen now they may find rest or refreshing on occasion some other way but the lord you know he he's already designed designed everything in our lives from beginning to end, of what he plans for our life. And he know he knows this thing's going to happen, and his plan is, well, then they can use tongues and speak with the tongues for a while, and it will give them the rest from that that difficult situation. But I don't believe in tongues. But the Lord's like, but that's what I gave you to find the rest and the refreshing from that situation. Well, Lord, give me it some other way. I, I can't give it to you some other way. I already designed from the, for the foundation of the world for not for that difficulty coming to your life, but when that came that the answer to that difficulty would be you praying in other tongues. And and uh, just because you don't believe it, the Lord doesn't change His will. Amen? Uh, and so it's to your advantage to yield to the Spirit of God. Amen? If He if He did that. And so, in uh, one of the things uh, that is helpful also in praying with other tongues is it teaches you to be a yielded Christian. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brother Hagin made a statement. It's still one of the most amazing statements that I believe that I've heard. For churches like us, right? So, you know, we're talking about other churches don't believe in things that we believe in, but but we believe in we believe in faith, right? We believe in the word of God. And he said, you know, in a word church, like that's that's what our church is, a word church, we believe in the word of God. But a word church that's, that's that teaches faith and teaches healing and miracles and things. He said, uh, many times the issue in somebody's life is not the need for more word or the need for more faith. He said, many times in churches like ours, the need is to be more yielded to the Spirit of God. Because we already have access to a lot of faith, right? I mean, how much Bible do we preach on a regular basis? Well, a lot, a lot of the Bible, right? A lot of the words, a lot of verses and things from the, from the Word of God. And, uh, and so if we teach that much Bible, then we should have plenty of faith, right? I mean, we do have plenty of faith, I believe that. But, but what's the issue then? So sometimes we don't know how to yield to the Lord like we need to. You know, we're so used to in this natural life living our lives, right? Well, Lord, I've got to do this. I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to mow the grass. i got to paint the house. I've got to feed the dog. I've got to feed the cat. You know, got to feed the baby. you got to feed me sometime, right? And you think all these things you got to do. And the Lord's like, but I need you to do this thing over here. But we get so used to, but Lord, I've got these things to do. I've got a list of things to do. I've got to watch the show. I've got to go to the ball game. I've got to do this, you know, take care of the grandkids. We spend so much time, and none of those things are sin in and of themselves, right? But if we don't train ourselves to yield to God, then how, what are we missing? We're missing a lot of blessings from the Lord. And one of the great benefits, side benefits, I believe, to, to praying with other tongues is it teaches you to yield to God. Because you have to yield to the Holy Spirit in order to pray with other tongues, right? Because it's your faith, it's your voice, uh, but it's His words. Amen? So by you yielding to Him... In doing that, which you have to yield to him in order to pray in other tongues, it trains you to, when he says, hey, I need you to go do this thing over there, well, I'm already used to yielding him in praying in other tongues, so now I can yield to him in doing his will over here. And it's really good for the Christian to learn how to do that. Because for the most part, you know, as human beings, not just us in particular, but as human beings, we tend to be kind of selfish, right? We want to do what we want to do, we want, we want to do it when we want to do it, where we want to do it, with whom we want to do it. Uh, and sometimes we can be kind of selfish. Uh, but if we will pray in other tongues, what you'll find is the level of your selfishness will go down, amen, because now you're yielding to the Spirit of God. You're yielding to the Lord and doing things uh, that's going to help Him, amen. Uh, and so the, the great benefit of praying in other tongues, and let's turn over to the book of Acts. Let's see in Acts chapter 10. Get it over there. In Acts chapter 10, it says, now this is the story with Cornelius, right? That the Cornelius was uh, was the Gentiles that that the, the, the Spirit of God or the angel of the Lord came to them and spoke to them and said, Go get Peter, and he'll and he'll preach the gospel to you. So they went and got Peter. Uh and so, you know, uh, they wanted, wanted to know the Lord and, and they were willing to know the Lord, but they didn't know how to know the Lord, so the Lord. So the Lord sent Peter to them and he preached to them. And it says in verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Uh, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they, the, the Jews, Heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so then Peter said, well, let's go get them baptized. But what were they doing when they, when they were speaking with the tongues? They were magnifying God. So you ever felt like your words, your natural words are not sufficient to tell God how big he is and how wonderful he is to you? Well, one of the best ways to, to you know, sometimes you've got to get it out. Sometimes you got to, it's so big on the inside of you to worship God, to tell him how big he is. But you don't have the words to do it. Well, one of the ways to do that is to speak in other tongues and, and, and pray in other tongues. And a lot of times during praise and worship, we're singing a song and the words of the song just they, they, there's not enough. There's not enough words in those words in the song. So I since nobody's around me. I just sing the song in tongues uh, because, I, you know, the bigness of God is so big on the inside of me that I can't get it out with the words that, are, that are, the song wrote. You know, they're, normally they're fine, but sometimes they're just not they're not enough. Uh, and so, to magnify God, sometimes it's helpful to pray in other tongues, to speak, uh, speak in other tongues. Remember, Paul said, "Thou give us thanks well," uh, there in First Corinthians 14. Thou give us thanks well. So, so you can magnify God and and give Him thanks in a way that's bigger and better than just doing it in the limited language that you know, right? In the words that you know. Don't you wish sometimes? I just wish I knew other words to to magnify God. Well, you have them. You have the words from the Holy Ghost. And and of all people, you think the Holy Ghost knows how to magnify God the best? He probably does, right? Uh, and and no telling how big our, our, our magnifying of the Lord is when we do it with praying or with other tongues. Uh, and it's got to please the Lord, amen? Anytime that we worship the Lord, it's got to be pleasing to Him because we're doing it in, in, um, uh, in faith, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, so you can magnify the lord in a great way by praying with other tongues amen and so i'd encourage you you know uh, spend time in praying with other tongues because a lot of times uh, you know in, in tongues are tongues are you know kind of like a, your toolbox right it's got a lot of different tools in there a lot of different things that you can do with it you know you edify yourself you get refreshing uh, you can you can get rest uh, you can magnify the lord amen so a lot of different things that you can you pray out mysteries so a lot of different things, a lot of values of praying with the tongues, and um, uh, you should take advantage of all of those things, amen? Uh, and so that means that you probably should, should be speaking in tongues more than you're speaking in tongues, right? Because if, if they can do all these things, but you only pray in tongues once a month, you know, you're probably a little behind, amen? Uh, and so but who gave us all these gifts? Well, the Lord did, amen? He He saw it uh, as a need, as a value, uh, and really um, it, and we may have mention this, I don't know, maybe we didn't mention it, but uh, let's turn over to the book of Galatians. You know, in, in, all, of the, in all of the Bible, um, you know, I was reading something some, someone wrote the other day, you know, you get these Facebook preachers, but this was actually pretty good. Uh, they said, you know, in all of the, in all of the epistles, as, as the writers of the epistles were writing to the church, the assumption was that all the Christians were already baptized in water. Well, that's a probably a pretty good assumption, right? Because did he encourage us to be baptized with water, right? Uh, now, not for salvation, but we know that he told us to do it, so we should do it, amen. If you're not baptized in water, you probably should be. Uh, well, not probably, you should be. Um, but yeah, I thought it was kind of odd that they also left out the fact that uh, he also assumes that we all speak in tongues too, amen. You know that every epistle was written to a church that they expected in, in, him uh, and uh, that they were speaking in other tongues, right? There were no churches that weren't tongue-talking churches in the first century. They were all tongue-talking churches. They all had the Holy Ghost. Um, and so uh, the assumption is, as you read the Word of God, that, uh, uh, that all these epistles were written to churches who spoke with other tongues. Uh, and so, because he, he said here in Galatians chapter 3, uh, and we know this verse here, by, you know by law in the charismatic church, you're required to know this one by heart, right? In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us From the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So did Christ redeem us from the curse of the law? He did. So are there any curses that you are subject to as a child of God? No. No. Uh, And so if you do something that violates a a scripture from the Old Testament, that if you do this, you'll be cursed. And if you do that as a Christian, will you be cursed? No, that's really hard for us to say sometimes, right? Well, why are we going to be cursed? Well, because we've been redeemed from the curse. So the redemption was necessary for those who are guilty, right? Redemption is not necessary for the innocent, right? So if you're guilty, then you're the one qualified for this verse, right? To be redeemed from the curse of the law. Uh, but a lot of ministers don't, they don't, they don't get that. They have still, you know, uh, Malachi chapter 3 says, if you don't tithe, you're cursed with a curse, well, I mean, should you tithe? Absolutely. Are you cursed for the curse if you don't tithe? Well, no, because it says you're redeemed from the curse. Amen? You're redeemed from when you fail, you're not immediately cursed. Uh, in the Old Testament, if you failed, you were immediately cursed, right? By law. I mean, by the, the devil had a legal right to do it. So, uh, now, some people don't like that. I didn't write it, though. You know, it says, it says what it says, right? Redemption is not necessary for the innocent. Redemption is necessary for the guilty. Uh, and, and so, we thank God for that, though, Right? So was sickness part of the curse? Sure it was, right? So if sickness was part of the curse, then we've been redeemed from that. Amen. Um, and so, but I want to get to verse 14. It said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he said he took care of the curse, but that was at the end of it, right? Uh, he took care of the curse Uh, so that we could then get to verse 14. So you can't get to verse 14 without verse 13. So he had to take care of all the curse, all the sin problem uh, in the earth so that he could arrive at the goal. So the goal was not just to remove sin out of the Christian's life. Amen. And a lot of of churches, they kind of think that the whole goal of, of the Lord was to only take care of sin. You know, the blood of Jesus paid for our sins, didn't it? But was that the last thing that Jesus did on a cross was shed blood? I mean, if that was it, then he could have shed some blood. He just could have pricked his finger, right? Here's the blood and be done with it. He didn't have to go to the cross, you know. Uh, did he need stripes on his back? You know, he could have done it with an IV or something, you know, just, you know. I've uh, done it in a lot of different ways to get blood, you know. I mean, they take it with a needle out of you today. And, and um, sometimes like, hey, are you, you going to leave any for me? And they keep taking needles, you know, no vials of blood. Uh, well, No. Uh, the, the the blood of Jesus on the cross was not the end game because if it was, he could have just got off the cross alive and been done with redemption, right? He didn't have to die for the shed blood. I mean, he shed plenty of blood before he died, didn't he? Uh, and so, uh, no, it, 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 it he had to do all of the work on the cross to redeem us, amen? So there's more to redemption than just the issue of sin, right? There's more... There was the authority of, of the Christian church. There's the authority on the earth. Uh, you know, we are now the greatest authority on the earth again, like we were when God created Adam. Uh, and we have that authority in the name of Jesus. Uh, he took stripes on his back uh, so that we could be healed, right? Uh, he put thorns on his head so that we could have peace. Uh, he he died physically so um, so that I mean, so that someday we don't have to die physically Uh and he died spiritually in the sense of being separated from the Father. Uh, he could, didn't he say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, well, that means that for the first time in eternity, there was a separation from from uh, Jesus and the Father. Now, is there still a separation? No, there's not a separation still, but there was at that point in time. Uh, well, why did he do that? So that we could be become alive spiritually. Amen. So his redemption was full. It was complete, right? It wasn't just limited to only the, the sin Problem, Amen, uh, and so that the blessing of Abraham. So, all of that to be say, all all of those things were done for a, a goal. The goal wasn't sin and healing and you know all that. The goal was what he what he says right here, uh, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That was the end game. That was the goal. That he wanted us to be connected back with the Spirit of God, just like Adam was in the garden. And that there was fellowship within him and, the, and, and God the Father right there in the garden. Everywhere, you know, uh, uh, in the garden, God and Adam walked in the cool of the day. There was fellowship with them. Uh, and, and that was the end game of redemption. The end game was to get the Spirit of God in us so that we have fullness of fellowship with the Lord in our lives. Uh, and that's the blessing that the Lord has always wanted. Now, it took a lot of work to get there. Uh, and, and what's amazing to me is if that's true and it's true, cause that's what it says there, that, that he said all these things that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith, right? So all the curse of the law being hung on a tree and all that stuff so that we can get the, the, uh, the spirit, amen. And yet how many people in church don't believe in, in half of the ministry of the spirit of God, right? We know there's two major acts in uh, works of the spirit in the christian's life one is when you get born again right uh and and you receive the spirit of god and you're born again experience but then there's a second work of the spirit of god in being baptized or filled with or having the spirit of god come upon you with the evidence of speaking with the tongue so there's two works of the holy spirit in every christian's life uh and so and that's the three baptisms right there's a water baptism it's baptism into the body of christ to get born again uh, and, uh, and really, that's the first one. So baptism into the body of Christ to get born again, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. So there's three baptisms that every Christian should experience. And it's always in that order. Well, it's not always in that, it's, but it's always the first order. The first order is always baptized into the body of Christ. And then we see, in, through evidence of, in the book of Acts, that sometimes they were water baptized and then spoke with other tongues. Sometimes they, were, they spoke with other tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then were water baptized, just like we saw with Cornelius. Remember, it said that they believed, and then, then they spoke with other tongues. And then Peter said, well, we can't withhold water from them. So then they were water baptized, right? So that was out of, that, out of the order. Some people, you've you, you got to be water baptized to be saved. Well, then Cornelius was wrong, right? Because you can't be filled with the Spirit unless you're saved, right? That's the whole point of, of everything. He had to deal with the sin problem so that... You can have your spirit reborn so that it's the spirit was qualified to receive the Holy Spirit because aren't we the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, We can't be the temple of the Holy Spirit unless our temple is qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, what's the Holy Spirit's first name? He's holy. holy, right? Not really his first name, but, but that's what we call him, right? He's not like Mr. Holy or anything uh, in no disrespect to the Spirit of God, but, uh, but he's holy, so he can't go into a spirit without, that's not alive. So our spirits had to be reborn, to be qualified, right? And and um, we'll just keep on going. Let's turn over to Matthew, or Mark chapter 2. Um, and so in Mark chapter 2, he explains this to us. Um, he said in... Um, let's see. Uh, well, let's start in verse 20. He says, No man also seweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. So he's talking about the, uh, the uh, Holy Spirit coming into the life of a human being. And so the Holy Spirit is the new cloth, and the old garment is an, an unborn-again man. And so he said, No man seweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filleth it up taketh away the old, and the, and, and the rent is made worse. And then he says it in a different way: No man putteth new wine into old bottles. So wine is a type of the Holy Spirit, right? And so He don't put new wine, the Holy Spirit, into old bottles, which is us as unborn-again, unregenerated people. We're not qualified to receive the Holy In Jesus' hand, we're not qualified. You know. The bottle is still the bottle, right? But it's unqualified to receive the new wine. And the garments of the garment, but it's unqualified to receive the new, the new uh, piece of cloth. But he said, he said, if you do that, then the wine is spilled and the bottle will be marred but new wine must be put into new bottles. So we have to become new bottles in order to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the goal of redemption was to get us to a point to being a new bottle. And once we, were, once we became a new bottle, and to do that, though, he had to take care of the sin problem, right? The curse problem, the Old Testament problem, you know, all that stuff. He had, take, he had to take care of all of that, which he did just very well on the cross, Right? But he did that so that we could become a new bottle by accepting him, right? Remember what, what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, right? That, that if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. New creature. Amen? We're a new creature. What did Jesus tell, Nicodem- tell Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Uh, you must be what? Born again. born again, right? A man must be born again. Amen? So our spirits prior to us receiving the Lord Jesus... Was not born again, right? That means that that uh, uh, and we we'll just you just want to follow this rabbit path. We'll just keep on following this rabbit path. Let's turn over Romans chapter seven. Um, Acts. We've got to get over there eventually, right? Over in, in Acts in, in Romans chapter seven, Paul said in verse nine. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I what? I died. So did he die physically? No. How did he die? He died spiritually, right? Another, so spiritual death means separation from the life of God. So it did not mean he ceased to exist. It just meant that he was no longer connected with the life of God. Uh, and so that's the condition of every man, woman, and child in the earth, right, that, that has reached the age of accountability, they have all uh, become uh, separated from the life of God. Now, children up to a certain point, because he said, I was alive without the law once. So all children born in the earth are alive unto God. He says that in John 1, 9, right? That God lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So every child that comes in the earth is alive unto God, spiritually alive, right? If they died, they'd go to heaven. But at some point in time, when in it's different for every person, but when they reach that age of accountability, which they get to the point where they understand that right from wrong and they choose wrong. He says sin, the commandment came and sin revived and I died. So he got separated from the life of God. So now the state of Paul in verse nine there before he got born again was he was dead spiritually. He, he had he had an old bottle. He had an old garment and that old bottle and that old garment was not qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, that's why Jesus said a man must be born again or made into a new bottle so that they can be qualified because uh, just getting the new bottle is not good enough, right? I mean, who cares if you get a new bottle if it's empty? So he wanted us to get a new bottle for what purpose? Fill to fill it with what? The new wine, right? The Holy Spirit. So, so uh, Mark chapter 2 tells us that, that, that God wanted to fix the problem. He said, new wine has to be put in the new bottles. So that was the whole goal. That was the whole thing he was working on, is to get us to become new bottles, become born again. Uh, and, and so that's, so it takes the Spirit of God to take an old bottle and convert it into a new bottle. But that, it's still a new, it's new bottle, right? But it's not filled yet. Uh, and so, uh, so that's why it takes the, the double working of the Holy Spirit is he converts us according to First to Corinthians five seventeen, to become a new bottle, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new bottle. But then that new bottle, is still an empty bottle, has to be filled. And so then he takes the new wine, the second work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's what God new to begin with, but the second work of the Holy Spirit. Now is fill that bottle. Then he you say you'd be filled with the Spirit, right? Uh, and so now as a, as a born-again Christian, a new bottle, now you get to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, and so... Uh, That was the goal of redemption, is to get to that point right there, to get to the point where an old bottle becomes a new bottle and it becomes a filled bottle. And once it becomes a filled bottle, then that was all the work that Jesus spent thousands of years doing was to get to that point for every Christian's life. Uh, And that that filled filled bottle speaks with other tongues. That filled bottle has special faith, has working in miracles, has, has the name of Jesus, has everything in it it needs to be successful in its life uh, and, and so so all of that w- was the was the culmination and us speaking with other tongues is really just the cherry on top of okay that it's done that's I, I want to do all this work get him to be born again get him filled with the, with the spirit and then speak with other tongues and and and, and the lord said and it is good and just like in, in in the creation right every time he got done with something he said you know it's good, and that's what he was trying to get to. For the Christian person is to become a new bottle, be filled with the Spirit, speak with other tongues. Then, because you remember what he told the told the what he told the he told the, uh, the apostles, right? In in the end of in the end of uh, 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 in Luke, right? Luke Luke twenty four, turn to Luke twenty four. Uh, He said um, in verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my father. What's the promise of his father? The Holy Spirit, right? He said, I'm, I'm sending him unto you. But tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, supernatural miracle work and power from on high. So, and then, then what did he tell him in, in um, Acts 1.8? Get over there, right? Acts 1. So he said in Acts one eight, But you shall receive power, that's the same power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So what was the instruction of the head of the church to all of the church, because that's who he was speaking to in, in Luke 24, what did he tell them to go do? Go wait until what? You're going to do with the power. And it was a power that he saw about. Baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking of other tongues. And he said, don't do anything. right? To go to Jerusalem and tarry. Don't do anything. After you're filled with the Spirit, now you're qualified to be witnesses and to be in, in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. So that was always a plan of God. Old bottle, new bottle, filled with the filled bottle. Now we become a witnessing bottle. But a lot of times the church, old bottle, a new bottle, we skip everything in between, and then we we try to be a witnessing bottle. But we're an empty bottle, right? And we're new, but we're still empty. And we're going out doing something. The Lord said, I don't want you going to do anything until you're filled. Isn't that what he said? After you're filled, then go become a witness unto me. So how much of the church is in in direct rebellion to to the head of the church? I mean, you know, a whole bunch of it, right? I mean, if the head of the church said, do this first, and then you can be a witness. Well, we don't believe that. We're going to skip that part, and so we're going to we're going to do it our way. And so, what do we do? Well, we come up with fancy slogans, and you know, give away TVs or ar fifty seven or AR-15s or whatever you know. Uh, around here, you know, maybe a uh, 30-30 hunting rifle or something. You know, might be pretty good. You know, give, uh, give away some of those or 4x4 pickup or something. You know, some of the high Bubba factor, right? Give it that away, and, and we'll do all right, right? Well, no, he said he wants he wants the whole church to be filled bottles before you ever do anything. And, and yet we're still rebellious in the church. Yet yeah, we said, well, no, I, that's not the way I want to do it, Lord. Because uh, then if you look at how do they witness to people in the book of Acts? Signs and wonders, diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And how do we do it? Hey, you're, uh, where are you going to spend eternity? Hey, uh, let me tell you the four the, the, the four spiritual laws. Let me tell you about the the Roman road, you know, and we come up with all these intellectual, you know, trickery to get people to to you know sneak them into heaven. Uh, well, just raise somebody from the dead. Everyone'd be glad to get saved after you raise somebody from the dead, right? Uh, so, so whose plan was this? This was God's plan, and I think it's a pretty good plan, don't you think? It's I think it's a pretty good plan to go. I mean, it's got to be a pretty good. He came up with it, right? So. So all of that, you know, the, the really the, the end game is a filled bottle that speaks with the tongues. That was the end game. That was always the end game for the entire church as we get to that point. Amen? Uh, and, and, and you know, did we make anything up? We just followed, you know, this little, little rabbit path through the Gospels and through the Word of God to see what his plan was, what his goal was. And it fits with everything, right? And some people argue with us, you know, this, this that. Yeah, you know, I, I was telling somebody about Mark chapter two and and, and <laughs> then they started explaining to me why that's not talking about being born again, you know, and, and I'm like and they use all these all these terms and phrases I didn't, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, because they were basically explaining why that's not what it says, even though that's what it says, right? Because Mark chapter two fits with Isaiah, it fits with Acts chapter two, it fits with Acts chapter one, it fits with Luke chapter twenty four, it fits with everything, right? It fits with Galatians chapter three, it fits with first Corinthians five seventeen. It fits, with, it fits with John chapter 3. It fits with everything, right? But uh, some people don't like it when it fits with everything, so they got to throw it out, you know, and so they come up with some intellectual uh, dishonesty that, that throws it out to him. So, uh, you know, of course, we're, we are a Pentecostal church. We, we speak with other tongues. Um, but that's not what defines us, you know. We're, we're, we do that because that's what the master, the head of the church, instructed us to do. We just want to be qualified to now be used of the Lord in whatever capacity he wants to use us. Because really, it's only at that point in time that you're qualified to be used of the Lord. Amen? Now, will he use other people? Well, you know, the Lord will find a way in almost every case, but it's always limited. Amen? Uh, don't, uh, don't you ever hate it when you've a, a, you got a screw that you're trying to take out and you only get a number two screwdriver bit, but you really need a number three? So you can do with the number two, but it's you got to be really slow, and it's hard to do, and sometimes you mess up the screw, and and then it's like you know, then th- then you think bad things about the screwdriver, you know, and it's not the screwdriver's fault, but you know, it's, it's just it's doing its limited job, you know, but you still you know think bad thoughts about the screwdriver because it's not qualified to do the job as in front of it. But when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you're qualified to do everything that the Master has instructed you to do. I know there's other things we do to qualify ourselves, and you know that's a lot of those things, but this is just kind of entry level right this is beginning this is not even advanced christianity this is fundamental christianity very beginning this is kindergarten christianity right That you get filled with the spirit now you're ready to do the baby step the first baby step of a church right uh, and yet a lot of people think well speaking in tongues is for the super advanced christian or even or maybe not even at all right and so but it's still the word of god amen uh, and so, you know, we, we, we want the word of God to fit. We want the word of God to see. We want to have the word of God revealed to us what his plan is for the church so that we know how we're supposed to operate. Amen. Uh, and, and then so when he said uh, that now you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, who did he speak that to? The whole church, right? So the whole church, the, the whole, the, not just the pastors and, and evangelists, but the whole church uh, can be and has the capacity and the power uh, to go and be witnesses to basically everybody. Amen. You have, if you're, if you're filled with the Spirit, you have the capacity and the ability given to you by God as a new vessel to now witness to any single person in the entire world. Every single person. Amen. And you should do it as the Lord leads you, of course. Uh, but you have the ability. Amen. Now that you have the power. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that the head of the church has given us clear and concise instructions about how you desire for us to operate. And so, Lord, according to your will, we will operate that way. We will receive the power that you've given to us, Father. And then and only then, Father, will we become witnesses for you on your behalf in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And, Father, then we'll see great glory in the earth. We'll see great signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost coming into the earth, Father, by your will and your desire. And so, Lord, we will be witnesses for you. And we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he's good all the time. Amen. And, uh, and I would encourage you, you know... Uh, there was a couple more things that I wanted to talk about uh, in praying of the tongues, but uh, we went on a on little rabbit path. But uh, that was a pretty good rabbit path to go down, right? Uh, and um, to see how everything gets put together. Because it's just good to know all that, right? It's good to know how you became a Christian, right? Why you became a Christian uh, and what the Lord did to, to make that happen. So uh, so let's get ready to receive this, this evening's offering. Uh, and so don't, don't forget um, uh, praying for Johnny's family and... Um, uh, visitation will be Friday, uh, usually from 4 to 9 o'clock, right, at Garrison's, um, and, um, um, and then the, the service will be on uh, Saturday also at Garrison's. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering, uh, and um, it's almost August, right? And August 1st is Sunday, and um, um, we've got Brother Randy coming in August, and um, Miss Marilyn Neubauer will be with us in um, uh, September, and then uh, uh, Larry and Angela Keaton will be with us in November, so uh, we've got a busy part of the end of the year, amen, Uh, and so be blessed, have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and um, uh, yep, there's vegetables, all right, did uh, they come from your garden, Johnny, all right, so Johnny, we had Johnny Vegetables in the back there, and uh, Johnny Vegetables are always good vegetables, right, right. Uh, and so, all Mm -hmm. right. Praise God. Uh, So they're back in the kitchen, so help yourself to those, and we'll see you all Sunday.